Welcome back to middle school. It's a zoo out there, so just be cool. Don't speak too loud, try to fit in. But if you don't, then you can be an outfit repeater. And you better believe that an outfit repeater is the best thing you can be. Just be chill, smiling, wave. If you stay with us, you'll be okay. It's rough out there, but you will always have a seat with the outfit repeater. Everyone and a welcome to the Outfit Repeaters. I'm your host Marissa Cantor, and with me, as always, is Sam Chung. Hello, Marissa. It is great to be back. And guess what? I brought you a full rotisserie chicken. But you're a vegetarian. That doesn't mean that I can't just bring a chicken with me wherever I go, <laughs> including into a movie theater. Yeah, um, I doubt that that would fly from personal experience. <laughs> From just trying to bring a taco, or I guess, it, what was it, a burrito bowl? Yes. <laughs> Into the movie theater. I don't think that the roast chicken would fly, literally. Pun intended. Ew. <laughs> well, we're back once again. Another episode of How I Met Your Father happened. We're really in the home stretch of season two. Yeah, we are. And um, I think that, like, we're, like, now we're finally kind of hopefully going to get back on track this week um, to to releasing an episode on Friday. We'll see how editing this goes, but we are actually recording this on Monday night, so I really have no excuse this week. But that being said, I did think that, you know, we got some plot-heavy episodes, then we got uh, last week, I think we got a bit of a random episode. I actually liked this episode a lot. I felt like there were things happening in everybody. Well, not everybody's story, but like all three stories had what felt like pretty significant moments for, you know, the character that was kind of like whose story it was. Yeah, I I agree. I think we had some fun pairs this week, including a Sid and Ellen pairing that I enjoyed very much. Yeah, you know, this episode really did strike the perfect balance between plot and chaos for me. Because like you said, stuff was going on, but it was still unhinged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there were plenty of unhinged moments. I don't know that we have that much necessarily to uh, really dive into first. I did see today there was a Variety article, but it felt like old news about Hilary Duff, I think, speaking to the... Uh, Lizzie McGuire flashback that we got a couple. Well, I guess it wasn't like the first half of the season, right? Um, that is old news. I don't know why they just published it again today, but it popped up for me. Speaking of now that I think about it, not a lot of Kim Cattrall in this episode. Not a lot of Kim Cattrall in the last couple episodes, honestly. Is that what happened in the regular show as well? No, because there was never a physical presence. I mean, it was the kids. But that was very much like a framing device used early on. And then like the kids, it would pop in and out. But Bob Saget's voice was always there. Bob Saget's voice was always there. As the narrator. Yes. There was a narrator? Yeah. Bob Saget was kind of like the narrator. Like he was the one telling the story of how he met their mother. Okay. It was more of a narration tool in that series from what I remember. Whereas... Here, it's just kind of like Kim Cattrall keeps just popping in and reminding us 
that she's there. But did every episode have narration? I think so. Oh, okay. I think so. It was a long time ago, though, so I can't, like, don't, like, hold me to it. Tell the truth. (laughs) But as far as I can remember, yes. Okay. I'm not sure that I have much to say off the top. I'm really excited to dive in, so let's do it. Okay. Well, so today we are talking about How I Met Your Father, Season 2, Episode 16, The Jersey Connection. In this episode, Ellen suspects something is up with Rachel, so she and Sid do a stakeout. Sophie tracks an upset Jesse down after he wasn't invited to a co-worker's birthday party, and the episode description copy completely leaves out what's going on with Val and Charlie. Not important. So important. (laughs) Ultimately, not important. I mean, did anything change? No. But like... Did my heart hurt a little? Yes. The Jersey connection. Yeah, because this show just loves to make it seem like going to Jersey is just a regular, easy, normal thing to do. Yes, the fact that, the fact that, like, logistically, Jesse found out the teachers were hanging out without him, went to Jersey, played a song at the bar, then went back to Pemberton's, and they were all still there. Well, actually, when I... Rachel never really lived in that apartment, right? That was like her grandmother's apartment. Yes. Is that the situation? She like inherited it after. And the grandma died. Yes. The bubby. Yes. Um, And so she was never going to be like a long-term resident there. But it makes me wonder like where did she, where did she live before? I don't know. Okay. We don't know. We don't know that much about Rachel, honestly. What is, what is her job? I feel like we do know that, but I forgot. Same. (laughs) But yeah, she also wants to move to New Jersey, I guess. It's uh, the place to be, I suppose. In in Jesse's defense, I would also suspect that if I went to Jersey to diss my colleagues, that I'd be pretty okay there. (laughs) (laughs) So we begin the episode at Pemberton. Sophie is really, really, like it's Friday, and Friday could not come fast enough after her first week of work. Yeah, busy week of almost getting fired of uh, getting in a fight with Ellen, of making cabbage just a staple of the city. Right? Yeah. They don't even call it the Big Apple anymore. It's now the Big Cabbage. Big Cabbage. <laughs> I feel like this is one of the first times, or I don't know, it's it's very rare for this show to give us kind of like timestamps that we can track, like to know for certain that last week's episode And this week's episode, it's still the same week. Mm -hmm. They're all hanging out and in walks a group of teachers who work at Jesse's school. And Drew. Yeah. Drew's back. Yeah. Haven't seen Drew in a minute. Um, I wonder how he's been. Who's my daddy? Drew's my daddy. Drew pulls Jesse to the side. And calls him J. Crew, which I like—I don't know what that backstory is. Yeah, because I don't think Jesse can afford J. Crew. No. <laughs> but he basically lets Jesse know, not so gently, that yes, all the teachers are hanging out. They're celebrating another teacher named Melanie's 35th birthday. And they all actively hate you. Jesse's like, what? But I'm a great colleague. I am a great... I refill the Keurig. Yeah. That is how you know. And you know what? I was listening to another podcast 
And in a similar vein, it, it reminded me of a topic that came up on this podcast where if a guy has to say what a good guy they are, red flag. <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess one could say that these teachers are not missing J Street. No, no, no. And also at the bar is Rachel. And it's been a minute since we have seen Rachel. And I think it's going to be a minute until we see her again. Yeah, it was a good run, Rachel. We got to fully get all your thoughts on psychics just in time for you to come in the episode after we met Madam Deborah. Yeah, I, I fully expect to never see you ever again. Yeah. So she starts this episode acting real sus. Ellen wants to have a movie night, but Rachel has a thing, a dumb work thing. And... That's weird. And Ellen is on to her. But Ellen thinks that Rachel is cheating on her. So Sid suggests, let's do a stakeout. Stakeout. This is a very popular comedy trope. Yes, it was only a matter of time. Before there was a stakeout. Before there was a stakeout. (laughs) As soon as I hear that a new comedy is coming to anywhere, I'm like, oh, I give it 25 episodes until we get a stakeout. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I believe, is episode 26, so... Yeah, so right, we're right at that marker right at the time for a stakeout. Time for a stakeout. Now that I'm saying that, I said it almost as a joke, but now I'm like, what episode was the stakeout episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Because it may have been around this time, too. But yeah, stakeouts, big, big thing in, in, uh, in the sitcom world. Yes. I've never been on a stakeout. Me either. <laughs> so I don't know who these people are who, like, go on stakeouts. Um, but you know what? I guess if you, uh, if you have trust issues, gotta go on a stakeout. Yes. And stakeout, they go. But first we have to talk about the subplot that, again, the episode description just fails to mention. We get a Charlie and Val story for the first time in a minute. We do. And, um, I'm glad because I, as listeners of the podcast will know, have been asking the show to become more unhinged in a in a way that kind of breaks the format for quite some time. And I was rewarded for all my pleading in this episode with this little tidbit. With the restaurant from the 12-year-old prodigy who won this year's season of Big Kid Chef. One of these fillets is for babies. <laughs> and the other one is for big kids. <laughs> Chef Landon. You are the Big Kid Chef! Big Kid Chef, you're the Big Kid Chef! (laughs) Yes, that was very much reminiscent of Flubber, the musical. A little bit. I mean, this one hit a little bit closer to home for me because um, I'm familiar with these cooking shows that young children participate in. Yeah, I always wonder what happens to those kids. <laughs> Where do they go? Where do they take their cooking talents? They open restaurants in New York City. I, I romantic restaurants. I don't know about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chef Landon honestly served us a lot in this episode. He went from like victorious winner to like the abusive chef in the kitchen to <laughs> <laughs> to you know the lovesick. Yeah, to the scorned young prepubescent teen <laughs> preteen. 
Yeah, he served up a lot. And um, more than I could have expected, I think, coming into this for, you know, a a, a storyline that didn't even get uh, mentioned in the copy. I know. Well, Charlie and Val have a reservation at Casa de Landon. What do we think of that as a restaurant name? What do you go to a Casa de Landon? Well, he was emancipated at nine, so he does need a casa of his own. (laughs) (laughs) I think it makes perfect sense. And it's a reservation that they made forever ago while they were still together because Casa de Landon, popular place, big kid chef winner. I know. Honestly, they booked it when he was 11. He's 12 now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Val doesn't think that they should go um, because they are not capable of hanging out one-on-one without having S-E-X. Yeah. Um, Cut to black. (laughs) That was funny. That was a funny <laughs> jump cut. I think this show does have its moments like editor, editorially, 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 editorially. Uh-huh. Yes. Where they just make really funny and interesting decisions like queuing up for a flashback. But then there's just like black. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie's like, no, 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 though. We can do this. We can do this. We got this. It's. A restaurant owned by a 12-year-old. How romantic can it be? Then we cut to them arriving at this restaurant where, like, every couple there is just, like, fully making out. I would say if I went to a restaurant and that was the case, I would be a little bit alarmed. (laughs) Nobody's eating. Everybody's just making out. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little alarming. That's not a restaurant that I would feel uh, okay in from a sanitary perspective. A lot. That's a lot. Yeah. So then we go to part one of the stakeout. Follow Rachel. She is walking toward the subway. This is a very easy stakeout so far. Mm -hmm. They clock her. They follow her. Sophie has this like big tub of red vines with her. That is like a carryover from the previous scene. But I didn't write down what the joke was about the red vines initially because I didn't care. (laughs) But then she drops the tub of red vines on the ground, on the New York City ground, and doesn't just, you know, call it a loss. She then starts picking up the red vines and blowing on them and putting them back in the tub. Honestly, that's what she gets for getting a giant tub of licorice. Licorice is disgusting. I mean, she did say in the (laughs) last episode, what was the line that she hadn't been so disappointed in hot people since Gwyneth Paltrow. It was something oh, food no. on the floor related. Gwyneth Paltrow. Don't no, Gwyneth Paltrow, I don't think well, maybe she's been mentioned, but it was um it was Heidi Klum. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. Get your tall blonde women correct. <laughs> They're not all the same. Yeah. She inducted Heidi Klum into the WPC, not Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> correct. I'm so sorry. But yeah, she dropped her burger in a puddle and then didn't finish it. Yeah, so we know Sophie is shameless about <laughs> Eating food off the ground. I At the point, though, where, like, you believe in whatever, the five-second rule, the ten-second rule, it, it feels like the variable second rule depending on, you know, how badly you actually want it. But, like, what is blowing on it going to do? I don't know, man. You can't really blow the germs away. Red vines aside, they follow Rachel to New Jersey. What is Rachel doing at an apartment in New Jersey? 
Jesse is also in the same part of New Jersey. Do you also love how there's no like specificity to New Like it's just like New Jersey. Like where are they? It, is New Jersey not just one homogenous place? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> no, I mean, they can't have gone that far. Like Jersey City. Hoboken. Hoboken. But what are the odds that Rachel and Jesse are in the same section of the tiny, tiny bit of land that is New Jersey to this show? Uh, Very little. Very, very, very slim little. chance. Sophie is now off to follow Jesse. See what's going on there. Almost gets hit by a car while crossing the street in the process, which is like the most Sophie thing to happen. And Sid and Ellen stay behind for the stakeout, where they spot Rachel hugging another woman. Gasp. I will say that part was a little weird. Uh, (laughs) Like, do you really hug your realtor? No. (laughs) Like, how close are you to your realtor? Uh, now that I think about that, like the hug is weird. The hug is weird. The hug is sus. Like now that we know what's going on. Yeah. The hug is sus. Yeah, that is sus. I think there's something we maybe didn't see. I agree. Back at Casa de Landon, can Charlie and Val handle this date? They try to, you know, insult each other, but it's kind of just flirting. He's like, you look so ugly in the candlelight. And Val's like, yeah. Well, your sharp cheekbones are dumb. <laughs> Good one. We get Landon abusing his his kitchen in the background in this scene. They're just excited for the bear. Yes, chef. Let's go. <laughs> you call this a souffle? How do you look at yourself in the mirror? <laughs> that was some real pressure cooker energy. Yeah, it reminded me of um, when Brian totally botched his panna cotta. Yeah, <laughs> never forgiven. <laughs> The consistency of this panna cotta is unforgivable. <laughs> this is so runny. <laughs> this is a liquid. Yes. In this scene, we are also reminded of why Val and Charlie broke up. And it was all about the fact that she wants kids and he doesn't. They just kind of like sprinkle in that little contextual reminder. Very like not subtle foreshadowing for what is to come. That is true. At this point, They've been, wait, they broke up at the end of season one, right? Yes. So they've now been broken up longer than they've been together. Yes. There was a whole swish in between. A whole swish. Yeah. Then they eat one noodle, Lady and the Tramp style. Yeah, weird favorite movie for this 12-year-old kid. Lady and Tramp. I don't know why I said Lady and the Tramp. Because that's what the movie is called. It is, right? What? What are you saying right now? (laughs) Is the other dog's name not Tramp? I don't think he has a name. He just follows Lady around. I don't know. It's all a little fuzzy for me. I don't know. Growing up, my aunt had two cats named Lady and Tramp, which was confusing on a number of levels. I think, well, no. Well, now you're making me second guess myself, but he's like a stray dog. I don't think he has a name. (laughs) I think he is like a Tramp, but I don't think his name is Tramp because... That would be weird to name your dog Tramp. <laughs> Although you just said your aunt named her cat <laughs> So I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Maybe something's getting lost in translation here. I have no idea. This this was not a film that was heavily in my rotation. I was too busy watching The Little Mermaid over and over and over and over again. But 
they they do the noodle. Their lips get very close, and then they panic and leave. In early versions, Tramp was called Homer, according to DisneyFandom.com. Whoa. From there, we find ourselves at perhaps the most unhinged part of the episode. Sophie follows Jesse to a bar in New Jersey where find him doing music. And we're like, wait a second, Jesse, music. This is what we've been waiting for. It was not what we've been waiting for. Speak for yourself. I guess it's what Sam's been waiting for. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Hey, where are my Sugar Ray heads at, huh? Uh, okay. Every morning my colleagues hang out without me at the teacher's lounge at my school. I'm a teacher. I say I don't care, but the truth is it really bugs me. Why do they have to be so cruel? Seriously, why? I don't Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. I can't watch. Tell me what's happening. A guy is sucking. <sighs> when I say, how's it hanging? They just stare and leave me hanging while they eat donuts. Thoughts on that? No. <laughs> I will say, you know, lyrically amusing. In terms of Jesse's, or I guess um, Chris Lowell's fake piano playing, D minus. Not even close. <laughs> the vocal talent. Possibly even F. Like, your hands aren't matching up at all. <laughs> <laughs> and the vocal talent leaves a lot to be desired. I mean, it's every morning. Like, there's not that much that is really demanding <laughs> from a range perspective in that song. True. Yeah. I don't know. I wanted to see Jesse, like, doing music. Well, this is what we got. So and we this got. was just the beginning. <laughs> Just the beginning, indeed. Yeah. Back at the stakeout, Sid and Ellen have made their way inside the apartment building, and they get real creepy, and they break into this apartment. Is it breaking in if the door is open? Gray area. Eh. <laughs> I also just remembered <laughs> that the stakeout episode <laughs> in Brooklyn Nine-Nine also had a parody song, because they would just go, stake me out tonight. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> And we learned that Rachel is not having an affair, though that hug was sus. She is looking for an apartment. The hug was sus. <laughs> I don't know why we're not touching upon this more. Like, Ellen really should have pressed, why did you hug your realtor? <laughs> <laughs> why did you do that? It's sus. A friendly hug. What? And also, I will say, like, I mean, I don't know about Rachel. I don't know what she does. But, like, when we were looking for apartments in the city... We didn't have a realtor. We would just go, we would filter out the no-fee apartments, and there would just be, like, the lister of the house or the apartment, and we would just go there. So this is, like, literally the first time meeting, and you're just hugging this woman. Yeah, no broker fees. Yeah, no bro <laughs> So then as Val and Charlie flee the restaurant because it's just too romantic, they find Landon... Hiding under a bar cart and crying. Mm -hmm. Charlie's like, let's go. And Val's like, we can't just leave a crying child. So she tries to talk to big kid chef Landon, but he won't talk to Val. 
Val is but a woman. Who yeah, that was unclear to me. <laughs> I know. That was a little weird. My mind went to a different place, let's just say, when Landon was like, I can't talk to you, but I can talk to him. I was like, where is this going, Landon? Can you clarify for me where you <laughs> thought it was going? I'm not sure if I'm picking up what you're putting down. I don't know. I thought it was like a puberty thing. You thought it was... <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay. You thought that Landon was under the table or under the bar cart or whatever cart it was crying because of a puberty thing because he found hair in his nether region. <laughs> I don't know. It was a weird response. <laughs> it was like a weird response. No, it was strange. It was strange. Sophie and Jesse then interact at the Jersey bar. He's like, oh, did you hear that? And she's like, yeah, I heard that. And we learned that for Jesse, this is a new outlet to work through negative emotions. He goes to New Jersey and he writes parody songs and performs them to get stuff off his chest. Yeah, it beats going to the park at night and just screaming. Yes. <laughs> To which Sophie says, men will do anything to avoid therapy. And he replies, we will. Yeah. And I would say that that is a reductive take. I mean, this is coming like five episodes after they hijacked Ellen's therapist. That's true. So. Jesse's like, yeah, you know, I come here to St. Freddy's. And Sophie's like, wait, this bar is called St. Freddy's? Melanie was wearing a jacket that said St. Freddy's. Yeah, you know, the classic St. Freddy. <laughs> patron saint of... Fred alcoholism <laughs> and did you say patron saint of Fred <laughs> <laughs> what I don't do saints you know that okay but in what world would <laughs> would it make sense for Saint Freddie to be patron saint of himself <laughs> Sophie puts two and two together here oh my god Melanie must have been at this bar while you were performing a parody song trashing her. Jesse's like, ooh, cut to a parody song. Of, no, he's like, I don't understand how that could happen. My lyrics are so cryptic. Correct. <laughs> but then we cut to a flashback of him performing a parody of, is that Mambo number five? It is the classic Mambo number five. Oh, we're oh. going to, we're going to play. All the songs are getting played tonight. Of course. Okay. <laughs> This is a song about some people with a lot of nerve. A little bit of Regina chewing loud. A little bit of Bob looking like Ann Dowd. A little bit of Melanie's sloppy sneeze. A little bit of Frank's dumb graphic tease. Ah! <laughs> what was that at the end? I don't know. I think he he must have literally just watched Forgetting Sarah Marshall because that <laughs> gave a lot of like Jason Siegel like Dracula musical. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say, so in that song, we get our first Bob mention, and who would have thought what a charming guy Bob would end up being? Bob, who looks like the newest inductee to the WPC <laughs> and Dowd. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. We actually, to the surprise of no one, so I don't know why I said actually, have quite a few WPC inductees this evening. Do we? This week. You just inducted and out. I did. Back with Charlie and Val. We get our next inductee. Landon is telling Charlie that he invited his crush to the restaurant, but but she didn't show up. She went to Sigourney Weaver's nephew's party instead. 
<laughs> Sigourney yeah. Weaver. Sigourney Weaver. Welcome. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. Charlie has, you know, a heart to heart with this child. He was like, you know, I wasn't always this hot myself. I was once a nerd like you. And nerds like us, it's all about the long game. We just have to bide our time. One day, you will also be irresistible to the ladies. I don't know if I buy this. Like, Landon is just coming off winning Big Kid Chef. This might be the coolest he'll ever be. There's a 50-50 chance. I know. The fact that winning Big Kid Chef doesn't like supersede <laughs> Sigourney Weaver's. The fact that you have your own restaurant and you cannot get one person to come to yes. your restaurant. I don't know that that bodes well for you in the future. And Charlie's also putting a lot of, you know, a lot of uh, power just into the hands of fate. Like, you know what? Just be yourself. Live through your puberty. Grow up and we'll see how you turn out. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, his advice really does lack agency. <laughs> There's nothing you can do. It'll just work out. You're a naughty right now, but soon you'll be a hottie. And then you can go on Big Adult Chef. <laughs> and this is not particularly good advice but nevertheless Val is so horny just watching Charlie like talk to a child I mean that's what happened it's a slippery slope once you share a strand of bucatini I will say though that one strand of bucatini on a plate very sad like at least in Lady and the Tramp it was like a 20 foot long spaghetti yeah it looked like a full plate of spaghetti until they started eating it and you were like oh wow this all fit in one pot (laughs) (laughs) Yes, their their dish was just one sad noodle. What do you call that an amuse? One sad noodle. That should have been the name of this episode. <laughs> one sad noodle. <laughs> was that an appetizer? Was that an amuse? Amuse bouche. An amuse bouche. I, I don't know. It was it was just the chef special. The chef special. Yeah, the chef, the Casa de Landon chef special single strand of bucatini. <laughs> no sauce. Just nude. Just nude. Zoe, why aren't you here right now? <laughs> My goodness. Back at the stakeout, Ellen and Sid are now hiding behind the island, and they overhear Rachel telling her realtor that she needs space from her girlfriend. Oof. Mm, yeah, not great. Ellen and Sid believe they have an opening to get out. They try, but they fail, and Rachel catches them. So my issue, I think my primary issue with this episode is in this storyline. And I don't think that we got, we we never got enough of Ellen and Rachel's dynamic to like see why they don't work as much as I do like what happens next in terms of, you know, Rachel and Ellen have this kind of like honest conversation about Rachel's like, you know, I need a buffer. Like, Living next to your girlfriend is a lot for me. I just think some space could be good for us. And Ellen basically being like, well, this is who I am. I am a lot, whether you live next door to me or across state lines. And I'm not going to dim myself for you. So you need to decide if like I'm who you want, which is great. Like great. Like I love to see like Ellen be so confident in herself and who she is but I just felt like we didn't see enough of their relationship dynamic for me to understand where this was coming from 
you didn't like that one flashback where she just jumped at her as she came back home one day. I mean, I can imagine that that would get pretty old if that happened every day. (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't a lot. I agree. Not a lot to go off of. So yeah, I didn't feel super invested. Uh, I think it makes sense. Dramaturgically. Dramaturgically. That's (laughs) definitely not the word. Uh, yeah, no, dramaturgically, it did make sense. Dramaturgically. <laughs> I never really thought that they were really a great match for each other anyways. Although Ellen's character, I feel like, wildly fluctuates from episode to episode. Sometimes, like, she's very serious, and then other times she's just, like, so over the top. Or not serious, but just, like, she lacks the personality in some episodes that in the other episodes that they really, like, it's her story, they highlight. It's incongruous yes like last week when she was really coming at sophie i was like where is this coming from (laughs) whoa yeah i agree so much drama indeed there is back at pemberton's so to recap jesse starts his evening at pemberton's goes to saint freddy's in new jersey sings a parody song We're going to be laying down some insane tunage. (laughs) Back to Manhattan. Goes back to Pemberton's. All of the teachers are still there. That makes no sense. It was a huge problem, okay? (laughs) I just need to say that. That makes no sense. (laughs) But what we get might have been my favorite scene in this episode. Mm Mm-hmm. So much, so much to unpack from this sequence at Pemberton's, beginning with Sophie introducing herself to the teachers and just getting like verbally assaulted by Melanie. Oh, yeah. She was eviscerated. <laughs> Hilarious. She's like, yeah, we know who you are. You cheated on Drew with Jesse and then didn't even stay with Jesse. So it wasn't even good cheating. <laughs> I mean, that Yikes. is objectively true. Yikes. Uh, where's the lie? I don't see it. We learn that Sophie is right. Melanie did hear Jesse's Mambo Number no. 5 parody, and she was traumatized. Jesse's like, you know, some this wasn't even really about you, Melanie. I was just upset because someone ate my Danon Oiko's Greek yogurt. <laughs> I mean, this was where, so Bob learns that Jesse thinks he looks like Ann Dowd. He doesn't realize who Ann Dowd is at first. Then he's like, oh, I've been insulted. <laughs> Raise the bar up to an 11. <laughs> yeah, I ate your yogurt, Jesse. And guess what? <laughs> you pick sucky yogurt flavors. Who eats apricot? I think he said. Correct. And from there, it all goes off the rails for Jesse because Sophie, Sophie's suggestion to kind of make things right is for all of the teachers to now bully Jesse. It's not bullying, it's a roast. Roast Jesse. Yeah. And they're all too happy to do that. And we learn so much about Jesse. We learn that he puts his whole mouth on the water fountain spout. I liked that. That was like a, I mean, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it's a good, uh, you know, connection between that and Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Jesse has applied for Survivor. Yeah. Did we know Jesse's a Survivor fan? No. Oh, well, he is, and he knows how to use all parts of the coconut. (laughs) Yeah, Bob Roast number two. (laughs) (laughs) 
Bob just throws so many zingers. Yeah, Bob is like, you'd be terrible on Survivor. Your social game is garbage. But um, we we leave Pemberton's on that zinger and go back to Charlie and Val uh, outside of Casa de Landon. They did it. They went out and they didn't fall into bed together. They're very proud of themselves. But then Val has to bring up the kids thing again and be like, but you were so good tonight having one conversation with one child. Are you sure you don't want to be a dad? I I would tell Val to, to rewatch the tape <laughs> and and rethink if she wants to commit to this stance. Yeah, and I think honestly, like this is such a interesting and kind of sad storyline to me because it's two people who very clearly still love each other. Like there's definitely still something there between them, but they're on opposite sides of this very big decision where neither one of them is wrong and there's no way to reconcile it. Yeah. I mean, I guess they're what they're the foil to, uh, to Sid and Hannah. Yeah, exactly. Um, because Charlie has a lot of like valid trauma that is informing his kind of decision. He has a lot of anxiety about parenting due to his upbringing. He was like, that was one moment, but what about all the other moments? But Val wants to be a mom because because of the moments. And I thought that was like a very like beautifully written sort of part of this episode. It was lovely. And then she's like, but are you sure? <laughs> and Charlie still doesn't want kids. And Val still does. And that is that. Cue, hey now, hey now, don't dream, it's over. Yeah, but again, like a cover. Like, always Why does covers. this show love covers so much? Because they're cheaper. And it's always like a cover that's like a sad girl. <laughs> they always do a sad girl cover. So during this musical sequence, Charlie and Val are still not on the same page about kids. We learn Ellen and Rachel broke up. Rachel couldn't handle everything that was Ellen. Also, Rachel's moving to New Jersey, so the writing was on the wall. Yeah. And the teachers are still roasting Jesse. Back to Bob. Preach, Bob. Lay it down. <laughs> Throw out some bars, Bob. <laughs> Bob has good intel that Jesse wears a Dave Matthews band cologne. On the plus side, I got to see Woody Harrelson's penis from the inside. David by Dave. David by Dave. <laughs> and after. An evening of roasts. The teachers are like, okay, you may join the party, Jesse. We're even now. But not you, Sophie, the cheater. You must leave. So Sophie leaves. And in a moment where she wistfully looks back at Jesse, she sees him in a conversation with a new character, a new teacher. Yeah, do you think that uh, Parker will become a part of the series moving forward? I think the fact that she has a name bodes well, even if it's just short term. New gym teacher. Ooh. Yeah, I think that this will not be the last of Parker. Rachel out, Parker in. Did Parker get a line in the song? Now I'm forgetting. No, Parker definitely did not get a line in the song. Just Melanie and Bob. And Parker's too new. She says at the end that this was literally her first day. 
Oh, this was, wait, this was literally her first day she started on a Friday? Mid-year? <laughs> Guess so. <laughs> okay. So overall, I think, I agree, this was a fun episode, a lot going on. We had music. We had a Survivor reference. Mm-hmm. We had Bob. We had Bob. We did. Now it is time to give the MVP. Yeah. I mean, it's got to go to Bob, right? <laughs> I knew you were going to give it to Bob. There was just a moment. As when, soon as the survivor roast happened. I actually wasn't committed to Bob until they came back to Bob again. And he threw out the additional Dave Matthews band singer. <laughs> and I was like, Bob, where did you come from? Eating Jesse's yogurt, <laughs> calling out <laughs> Jesse's social game. And I don't know how you got the scoop on his cologne, but... Regardless, Savage Burn, crush me with the things you do. That's a Dave Matthews fan reference. Whoa. Bob, uh, Bob is my MVP. Okay, if you are going to give it to Bob, I am going to swing to a small character in another storyline. I'm going to give it to Casa de Landon, Big Kid Chef. Big Kid Chef? <laughs> oh, wow. I did not see that coming. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, Uh, I think that as we have discussed, Landon was giving range in this episode. The Big Kid Chef! (laughs) What does it say that it's probably been... I, I couldn't even tell you the last time we gave the MVP to someone like in the main cast. Did I not give it to... No, there was a time recently you gave it to Swish, and I think I gave it to somebody in the main cast. You can't remember, so it didn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's just like we haven't been on a regular schedule. We've been kind of all over the place the last couple weeks. But I think that there was definitely a time when I gave it to somebody in the main cast. Maybe it was Jesse? I don't remember. I definitely... I feel like I... Well, now I'm going way back. I feel like I remember giving it to Sid the time that he almost died. (laughs) Oh my god. Well, on that note, that was another episode of How I Met Your Father. Yeah. We're so close. (laughs) Yeah, we are. Um, What are we on? This is 16, so we've got four episodes left. Four. Is it going to be three or actually, I think four weeks, right? I don't know if they're doubling up again. I don't know either. Yeah. Yes. Another, another month talking about How I Met Your Father. Yeah, until we learn that season three has been renewed for 30 episodes. (laughs) I wonder if how, in what way, the writer's strike will impact the renewal, if at all. Like, if it'll be a reduced number. Maybe we'll be back at 10. I don't think, I mean, I think if anything, it'll just be for a lot of these shows on the bubble, like, it just gives more people an opportunity to find it, so... Depending on how, if the strike lasts a longer amount of time, it could be a good, it could be not a good thing, but it could like make the show look a little bit stronger as more people are able to find it and give the show more of a case to be renewed. That's fair. Yeah. And and again, if the extra time means no, (laughs) if there's extra time and nobody checks it out, then it, that could also backfire. Yeah. I guess in all likelihood, we would just get a delay on season three in terms of like when it airs. Mm -hmm. as opposed to a reduction. But 
we'll see. Only time will tell on that. So, yeah, that was How I Met Your Father, season two, episode 16, The Jersey Connection. As always, you can follow us at Outfit Repeat Pod on Twitter. Email us at OutfitRepeatersPodcast at gmail.com. Yes, if you liked this episode and you want to check out more, either about this, about Lizzie McGuire, or any of our previews so that Marissa can talk about her experience watching Elemental, <laughs> you can find that at our website, www.paginatedmedia.com, or on any platform where podcasts are available. And we will be back next week to talk about How I Met Your Father, Season 2, Episode 17, Out of Sync. Mm-hmm.